Do any of you do Instagram or Facebook? If you don't, you're probably in the more sensible category of people, to be fair. <laughs> um, but um, if you do, I do both. You may follow somebody called Pete Gregg. Um, Pete Gregg was the founder of 24-7 Prayer, and he's written a number of books. If you do Let's Go 365, you may hear his voice every so often sharing devotions in the morning and the evening. But yesterday he posted something really lovely on, on social media, and I want to start with it. Um, he posted something of a couple that are now married called Nikki and Scylla Lee, um, who when they were at university together as boyfriend and girlfriend, they went on a week's mission to find out about this God um, in February 1974, 50 years ago. And they got the, these, this Nikki and Scylla became Christians. And they went back to the university where they were and told their friend about what they'd done. And he was absolutely horrified that two of his best friends had decided to become followers of Jesus. And he relentlessly argued that they'd made the wrong decision and he gave them all the reasons why Christianity was rubbish and poor and Jesus was not worth it. Until he was persuaded by these two friends that actually Jesus was really real. And it wasn't long after that that their friend, Nicky Gumbel, became a Christian. Fifty years on... All over the world, hundreds of thousands of people have found Jesus through the Alpha Course that was written by Nicky Gumbel. Because two people called Nicky and Scylla decided that when they found Jesus, they needed to tell their friend Nicky Gumbel all about him. We never know, do we, what difference we might make when we tell somebody about Jesus Christ. We won't all lead people to Jesus who write brilliant courses that will change the course of hundreds of thousands of people's lives, but we might, by telling somebody about Jesus, bring them to Jesus who then might make an incredible difference in their world. The guy that took Billy Graham to his first ever Christian crusade was a farmer. And he took Billy Graham and a bunch of his friends literally on the back of his tractor and trailer to a Christian crusade. And it was there that Billy Graham became a Christian. And for decade after decade, Billy Graham stood in football stadiums all over the world. And God used him to lead hundreds of thousands of people to Jesus. We can all make a difference with the gospel of Jesus. When we read the book of Acts in the Bible, we read a story. We read a story of followers of Jesus who spread the gospel everywhere. And we're going to talk a little bit around two or three verses in the book of Acts in a minute. But I just want to give you a bit of information that will give us, hopefully, a bit of context to this book of Acts. The book of Acts was the second book that was written by a man called Luke. He also wrote, obviously, the Gospel of Luke. 
And he wrote both of his books. He wrote the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts in a period of around six or seven years. So the Book of Acts is his second book, and it was like, obviously, the sequel to his first book. If you read the book of Luke in the very first verse of Luke's gospel, as you do in the first verse of the book of Acts, he wrote both of his books to a Roman um, officer, somebody who worked in the Roman government, an official in the Roman government called Theophilus. And so both of those books that Luke wrote were to one person. Luke wrote these, the book of Acts when there was increasing persecution from the Romans to the Jewish people. If you've ever heard of a Jewish historian of that time, a man called Josephus, who wrote an amazing book, um, he actually writes in his writings that during that period of time, so much hatred from the Jews to the Romans, there was actually over 10,000 insurrections in that period of time. There was revolt after revolt after revolt after revolt. And so the Jewish people and the church and the Christians of that time were going through increased persecution. And when you come to AD 70, it felt like all hell broke loose on earth and it culminated in the destruction of Jerusalem, the burning of the city again, and horrendous persecution to the church. And yet, when we read the book of Acts, we see the church in one of its finest hours. You see this uprising of mission, fueled not by hatred, but by love. You see this unstoppable desire to continue the work that Jesus had started. When you read the book of Acts, it details a movement of pioneers, of risk-takers, of Christians that were willing to break new ground, to take on new challenges. When you read the book of Acts, you see a church community that were highly energized with the gospel of Jesus. They were spiritually on fire. They wanted to make a difference. And yet, when you come to Acts chapter 1, you're actually finding a fairly depleted and demoralized group of disciples. You see, not long before Acts chapter 1 is written, Jesus had been crucified. And so you find this group of Christians demoralized, huddled together in a second-story Jewish room in Jerusalem. They're secretly mourning the loss of the one that they had physically been following For several years. In fact, under Roman law, you were not allowed to openly mourn the death of a criminal. And of course, Jesus was crucified by the Romans as a criminal. And so there they find themselves in this upper room in Jerusalem, mourning the loss of Jesus. Jesus was dead. They'd watched him die. And so the depression And the demoralization amongst those early followers of Jesus was so thick, you could probably slice it with a knife. And then you come to the book of Acts. So we're going to read the first 11 verses of Acts chapter 1, and then I'm going to share just a few thoughts about why I believe we are the continuation of what Jesus has begun. So let's read Acts chapter 1, 
verses 1 to 11. If you want to follow it in front of you on your device or Bible, you can, but the words are up on the screen. Here we go. This is Luke speaking. In my former book, writing to Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. He's referring to his gospel, the gospel of Luke. Until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. Can you imagine how they felt? He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then the disciples jumped to their feet, that's my bit, And they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at last going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. And so they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them and said, Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And the ascension of Jesus took place. So here we have this group of followers of Jesus who have just witnessed the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus appears to them over a period of 40 days, and the disciples get all excited in the natural because they think that by Jesus coming back from the dead, he was going to come and he was going to kick the Roman Empire into touch, and he was going to physically establish the kingdom of Israel back into Jerusalem. And so naturally, they were super, super excited about the possibility of the resurrected Jesus doing the very thing that they so wanted to happen. But Jesus' plan wasn't for that. Jesus' plan was that the church would be the continuation of the work that Jesus had begun. Luke says at the beginning, in my first book, I wrote about all that Jesus had begun. You see, the the big idea of Acts is for the church to continue what Jesus 
started. Today, centuries on, you and I are still the continuation of what Jesus started. It's our responsibility and it's our privilege to carry on what Jesus began. To be the spokespeople, to be the influencers, to be the activators of bringing the good news of Jesus and the kingdom of God to those around us. What a joy, but what a responsibility. You and I have been made for witness. You and I have been commissioned for mission. Whatever else God has called us to, God has called his church in the earth today to be the continuation of the story that Jesus began in the Gospels. The big idea of Acts is that God's people have a vocation to bring light to the nations. Jesus had already spoken with his disciples Months before, in fact, we record that in Luke chapter 24, in verse 46, it says, he told them, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in, the, in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And then Jesus says these words, you are witnesses of these things. Maybe when Luke finished his gospel and when he wrote the book of Acts, what he was really saying is this. The story of Jesus is not complete without the story of the church. And so the key theme right throughout is that through Jesus' resurrection and ascension, it makes way for the coming of the Holy Spirit that is poured on those early Christians, launching a worldwide mission. The disciples are powerless on their own, but they must wait for the Holy Spirit to come to clothe them with power from on high. If we are going to continue the story of Jesus and be effective in the earth today, across all the nations of the world where the church of Jesus is resident, We need to be full of the power of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. And I want to share three things really quickly that come from three verses in the book of Acts that I think will encourage us and help us to be effective witnesses in our day-to-day life. I don't know about you. In fact, Michelle and I were having this conversation yesterday afternoon when we were at home together, and I said to her, I said, some of the frustrations that I have as a Christian and also some of the frustrations that sometimes I have as a, as a leader in the church is the gap between what I believe and what I don't see in reality. And we've all, we've all got that, haven't we? You know, you know we, we believe in healing, but we want to see more. And there's this gap of, God, come on, God. And I think one of the biggest gaps in the church is this gap between we all believe in mission, 
We all believe in the good news of Jesus. We all believe that the gospel message is the one message that will change a person's life. But there seems to be this huge gap of what we believe and what we actually practice. I was really challenged when I was preparing this that actually there was a period of last year where I was very active in sharing the gospel and sharing my faith with people. And I, over the last few months, my diary's been so jammed full of lots of stuff that I think it was, it's probably several months since I actually shared the gospel with someone. And I was just challenged afresh when I was preparing this message this week. Come on, Graham. You need to get your backside into gear again. And you need to become a bit more of an activator in sharing the gospel with people. Because the message of the gospel is the one message that will change the heart and the life of a human being more than any other message. And you... And I, here today, whatever we're called to, whatever we're doing in life, either in our workplace or in where we live, you and I are called to be witnesses of the gospel of Jesus in the world in which you live. And that is a super challenge. So I want to look at three things that I hope will encourage us to leave this place today to be more effective witnesses. The first one's going to come up on the screen, and that's this. Be with Jesus. Be with Jesus. There's a verse that's coming up that says this. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Note what I've underlined there. They were ordinary men, and they took note that these people, these men, had been with Jesus. Have you ever attempted, in your Christian faith, to talk to someone who doesn't have your Christian faith? Have you ever tried to offer prayer to someone, or pray with a non-believer, and you felt super awkward. You feel inferior. You feel a bit tongue-tied. You kind of make best effort, but it doesn't always come out the way you'd like it to. And you come away from that moment, and you think, oh, I could have done that better. I wish I'd have said that differently. Or even I wish I'd have offered to pray for them when they were sharing with me about their terrible problem going on in their life. And you actually feel very ordinary. I've got some really good news for us today. Jesus is brilliant at working with very ordinary people. There are no superstars in this room. None. We are just a group of very ordinary, everyday people. But when Peter and John had been hauled in front of the Jewish council for healing a lame beggar, this Jewish council recognized that these very ordinary people had been with Jesus. Can I offer a thought to us today? We've got a better chance of being effective witnesses 
if a group of very ordinary people learn to spend more time being with Jesus. Shall I tell you why? Because Jesus is beautiful. Michelle and I are very late in the game here. But two nights ago, we started watching the first series of The Chosen. Some of you possibly have watched it. And I was quite emotional. We got onto the third episode of series one. If you've not watched it, I'm going to spoil it for you now. (laughs) And the whole episode was about how Jesus interacted with children. And I watched... It's incredible. It's been beautifully put together. And I watched Jesus just be so beautifully normal and ordinary and kind and funny and engaging with this group of very poor children. And as he talked with them, he quoted verses from the Old Testament, but just in conversation. And he got them to make wooden things. And one of the little children said, are you a carpenter? To which he replied, sometimes. It's great. And you just saw the beauty of this person called Jesus just engage with everyday people. Jesus is brilliant at taking ordinary people and making them game changers for someone else's life. But the key here was they took note that they had been with Jesus. My next slide is quite interesting. Can you put it up, Matt? Thank you. The Greek word for the word ordinary is idiot I. No prizes, what English word we get from that. How many of you have attempted to pray for a non-believer or share the good news of Jesus with a neighbor or a member of a family and you've come away and you felt like a proper idiot? That's good. Because that means you're an ordinary person. That's it. Literally, that is the Greek word for the word ordinary in Acts chapter 4. It's interesting, I found it really interesting, particularly in today's current, current culture, that that breaks up into two words, idiot and AI. <laughs> and I thought, ah, sometimes I just wish some, some, something, something virtual could share the gospel for me, and I wouldn't have to do it. But God has called ordinary idiots, like Graham Blake, to be the sharers of the good news of Jesus. Jesus, I can't emphasize this point enough, Jesus is brilliant at getting hold of ordinary men and women, boys and girls, young people, who are wanting to just be with Jesus and become effective witnesses. They took note that they had been with Jesus. When we get When we read the Gospels, we get the life of Jesus effectively condensed into a few chapters. But if we'd have been there with the disciples as they spent their life being with Jesus, I think we would have picked up beautiful moments like we see in The Chosen. We'd have seen those 
gorgeous conversations where Jesus just hung out with them and he shared friendship with them and he shared life with them and he journeyed with them and they got to know Jesus and they got to learn what it means to be with Jesus. And as they spent time being with Jesus, they realized that their friend called Jesus Christ was such an amazing person. He was so beautiful that when he eventually did ascend back into heaven in Acts chapter 1, they thought, we must tell other people about this beautiful Jesus. Because they'd been with him. And so I want to encourage us, point number one, spend time being with Jesus. Just be with him. I'm reading a brilliant book at the moment in my early morning devotions I'm reading a book all about silence and pulling away from the noise of the world. It's written by a a guy called Cardinal Robert Serra. And he talks in this book. I just read a a few pages every morning in in my devotional time. It's the book I'm reading at the moment. And in that, there's so much encouragement just to sit and be with Jesus. I've learned to discover something that actually silence is often a better way of discovering the presence of God than noise. Finding out more about this beautiful person called Jesus and being with him, there's something about just sitting with him. How many of you have got a really good friend and when you're with them, it's just so easy, isn't it? You, don't, you know, we, we had dinner with Roger and Diane last night and Roger and Diane have been really good friends of ours for a lot of years. And, and as soon as we walked into their house last night and we spent the evening with them, it was just like, there was no pretense. There was no, I didn't have to impress. I didn't have to share the good stories of my life. It was just really easy. Why is that? Because, because we've been with them so many times in the past. Being with them is just so easy. And when we learn to be with Jesus, we discover that being with him is so easy, so easy. And we begin to discover how amazing he is and how beautiful he is. And just what an incredible person he is. That as he starts to just like saturate and immerse his life in ours... One of the things that should spill out of that is, I've just got to tell some other people about him. If you're a parent here this morning, or you've been a parent of small children, have you ever picked your child up from some like event that they've been part of, and they're so excited when they get in the car, they just talk 10 to a dozen, because they can't wait to tell mum and dad of something that they've just witnessed or been part of, and, they just, and, and you just have to say, hold on, just slow down because they're so excited about telling you about something that they've just experienced. When we experience being with Jesus, there ought to be something that rises up in us that says, I've just got to tell a few people about him, because he's brilliant. So being with Jesus is really, really important. They took note that these ordinary men had been with Jesus. So be with him. Spend time being with Jesus. Point number two, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you've grown up in a Pentecostal charismatic type church, like I have, being filled with the Holy Spirit can come with some preconceived connotations. And there's nothing wrong with that, but being filled with the Holy Spirit in the church type that I grew up in was all about noise and loudness and come on and because I, I love all that but being filled with the Holy Spirit can just be sitting quietly in your chair every morning 
Being filled with the Holy Spirit can be you walking through a country lane in the course of your week. Being filled with the Holy Spirit can be when you take your dog for a walk. Being filled with the Holy Spirit can be when you're driving your car from one location to another. But the importance is that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's read the verse that I'm going to use here. It says in Acts 2 verse 4, next slide please, all of them were filled were filled with the Holy Spirit. We've already read this morning, Acts 1 verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and to the ends of the earth. I've got a little granddaughter who um, every time she leaves her house, she never leaves her house without Bluey. She loves Bluey. Now, some of you look at me thinking, who on earth Bluey? Bluey is this little dog, and it's a cartoon. I love it. It's, the only thing that annoys me about Bluey is he comes from the most perfect family. His mum and dad never seem to do anything wrong, and they're just, just like the most idyllic family in the world. But my little granddaughter never leaves home without Bluey. When, when you read that verse in Acts, 1 chapter, in Acts 1 verse 8, it starts with the word but, and it's really important to understand that that word but in the English, seems very insignificant in this verse, but in the Greek, literally, it is a very, very, very strong word. It's one of the strongest words in the Greek language to indicate contrast. In other words, Jesus is saying, but, what Jesus is actually really saying there is, don't leave home without the Holy Spirit. Hang fire, hold your Horses, you are about to receive a hot wire of power from heaven, the likes of which you have never dreamed. The original word for power there is actually comes, we get our word dynamite. It means authority and energy. And in a few days, Jesus would supernaturally enter his disciples through the form of the Holy Spirit and he would fill them with power. But what he'd just said to them is, Wait in Jerusalem, hang fire, hold your horses, because you really, really do need to have the Holy Spirit living within you. Don't leave home without the Holy Spirit. It's so, so important. And I don't know how you receive the Holy Spirit in your Christian life. You might receive it quietly. You might speak in tongues. You might not speak in tongues. You might find it easier to walk and shout and Throw your arms in the air. You might find it much easier to sit and receive the Holy Spirit quietly. However you find the Holy Spirit and however you meet the Holy Spirit and however you get filled with the Holy Spirit, the most important thing is get filled with the Holy Spirit. Because you will be a more effective witness when we are full of the Holy Spirit. It's so, so important. Most mornings I sit in my little prayer slot and I pray those words Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit today. And sometimes I might sit in silence and there are times when I don't feel a lot emotionally. I'm not, I'm not trying to colour this up as some emotional experience every day of my life. Sometimes it's just an ordinary morning where I'm just sitting there. There's, I don't feel goosebumps. I don't feel anything that comes over me. I don't feel any of that sort of stuff. But I just pray simply, Jesus, would you fill me with your Spirit today? Because I know that by being filled with the Holy Spirit, I've got a better chance of being a greater effective witness for Jesus. 
I want to encourage us all this morning. Pray that prayer. Jesus, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit today? When you're driving to work, ask Jesus to fill you with the Holy Spirit. In your times where you pray, where you read the Bible, ask him to fill you with the Holy Spirit. However it looks like for you, however it works for you, make sure you give time to sit with Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to fill you. There's a brilliant quote coming up on the screen now, and it's really good. a commentator called William Barclay, when he's commentating on this particular, uh, on, on Acts chapter 1, he says this, the, the apostles were told to wait on the coming of the Spirit. We would gain more power and courage and peace if we learn to wait. In the busyness of life, we need to learn to be still, to wait. Amidst life's surging activity, there must be time to receive. We really, really do need to take the time that it takes to be with Jesus and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. How are we doing in that? Honestly, how are we doing in that? So important. And then thirdly, my third point. It says they were all filled Sorry, be bold in sharing. Acts 4 verse 31 says this. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. On our website, under hope is found in Jesus, it says this. We actively and passionately share the gospel. Can I say to all of us this morning, don't underestimate the power of your story. Don't underestimate what God has already done in you. Share your story with confidence. Share your story with boldness. It has been said, I guess, from the front of churches many times before. I wish I had a testimony like that person. You know, I, I listen to some people's stories of how God has like kind of taken them from almost like total devastation and brokenness. They've grown up maybe in, in terrible brokenness and they've had all sorts of horrible things in their lives and you hear how they find Jesus and God like gives them this un- incredible transformation of life and then I look at people like that and I think I was 10 when I became a Christian I never did drugs I never got drunk at parties my life didn't spiral out of control I didn't do lots of crime I've got a really ordinary life. I've spoken to people who've had lives like that. And you know what they've said to me? I wish I had your life. I wish I'd have never had to have gone through all of that. But it doesn't matter what your story looks like. It's powerful. And don't underestimate the power of your story. Every single one of us here today who is a Christian could tell of times in their lives where Jesus has rescued them, 
where they've felt the overwhelming love of God in their lives that has changed and shaped their lives. And do you know what? Collectively, we've got some incredible stories in this room today. We've got people in this room today who God has rescued from those sorts of horrible situations. But we've also got people who have like just had fairly ordinary lives, but God's just been an incredibly faithful God to them all throughout that time. We've, had, we've got people in this room that carry illnesses in their bodies, but they just find that Jesus' faithfulness is the one thing that causes them to stand every day. Listen, there are hundreds of people living in this right now who can't stand every day because of the things that are going on in their lives right now. And your story could make a massive difference to them. Don't underestimate the power of your story as an effective witness for Jesus. So be confident and be bold in sharing. Let's get back on the saddle today and be actively intentional about being carriers and sharers of the good news of Jesus. Everyone's a witness. I give you the right to come and challenge me over the next few weeks, and I really mean that, by asking me the question, Graham, are you sharing the good news of Jesus with people? Are you praying for people who don't know Jesus? Are you actively doing what we're called to do, which is the continuation of what Jesus begun? There are so many people in your life right now and in your life right now that you know that need Jesus. Your partner, your son, your daughter, your neighbor, your work colleague, your husband, your wife. They need Jesus. And you've got the message in you. Let's tell them about it, shall we? Learn your story. You know, one of the reasons I failed my maths exam and my physics exam when I was at school is because I never revised. I hated physics and I hated maths. And so I didn't care about physics and maths at school. I never revised. I never did my coursework. I never did what I was supposed to do. And when it came to sitting in that exam room, I did... I filled out my name on the piece of paper and that's about as far as I got because I hadn't done the work. Do you know, learn, learn the story. I'm not going to give you methods today. There are loads out there. But if I came to you today and said, could you lead somebody to Jesus right now, would you be confident in that? Could you do it? Could you show somebody Bible verses? Could you... Open up the word of God and simply lead somebody step by step to Jesus. Could you do that? The best way is to learn how to do it. So when you do get given that opportunity, you're there ready to do it straight away. So important. Let's be this week the continuation of the story of Jesus in our community. Amen.